Hey, kia ora video people, kia ora podcast people. Um, Amy and Casey, if you're watching this, all the young adults are judging you for texting during church, so they couldn't make it. There's a few young adults who have been texting during church being stupid, and so, of course, me being mature, told them off. I did not join in the conversation, of course. Nah, that's all good. Hey, um, oh, so real fast introduction. So now, this sermon is sponsored by Triple CNZ. <laughs> nah. So if you're visiting, I used to work here, now I don't, um, and so I'm working for these guys. So heaps of people have been asking me, what do you actually do? And I'm like, I really don't know, but now I'm into my third week. I've finally figured out what I'm doing. So I um, work for Triple C and Z, so it stands for Christian Community Churches. So long story short, and if you want more info, come and ask me afterwards. Um, so there's a group of churches in New Zealand that have never been called a denomination. They're called a movement called the Brethren Church. You've heard of the Brethren Church? Yeah. So heaps of churches around Aotearoa hate being called brethren because the exclusive brethrens, um, no disrespect slash disrespect, have such a bad name in New Zealand. So I used to pastor a church in Cambridge, and there's a lot of exclusive brethren in Cambridge, so we would never talk about ourselves as a brethren church because people would just be like, oh, you're the people that steal kids and do all this stuff. So, so for a long time there's been like, hey, we need to just change our name. It doesn't change our theology or how we do anything. And so Triple CNZ popped out about eight, nine years ago, um, from the Brethren Movement, if you like. Um, so heaps of Brethren churches have connected in, um, and they'd still say, some of them would say, we're still Brethren, amen. Um, and some would be like, nah, we don't really care what you call us, we just love Jesus, let's go. <laughs> um, and then heaps of independent churches have connected in as well. So there's a couple of hundred churches in the, the Triple CNZ network. Um, the majority of them are, they call them Open Brethren Heritage. When I started, everyone's like, oh, OBH, but oh, OBH. I was like, what the heck is OBH? Open Brethren Heritage. I was like, ah. So heaps of them in that, heaps of independent churches. Um, there's still a whole bunch of uh, Brethren churches that are, have not linked in, but still love Triple CNZ, so we still serve them, bless them, help them, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what do I actually do? Youth and young adults, which is kind of cool because I'm allowed tattoos, so that's kind of good. Um, and so my job is, I kind of have two parts to it, really. So one part is to just... Um, get around the country and in, in Zoom and Teams and all that kind of stuff and connect with all the youth pastors, workers, young adults, pastors, workers throughout the country. So like I said, there's a couple of hundred churches in the network, so I'm like contacting them um, with the idea of supporting them, encouraging them, um, helping them. Um, heaps of them are really isolated, so I've already been doing lots of Zoom calls and cruising around a bit, and heaps of them are just like, I'm doing it hard here in, you know, <laughs> Nowheresville, New Zealand, and... I'm really struggling. Thank you so much for calling. And, and I'm like, can I pray for you? And they're like, oh my gosh, that'll be so great. So it's kind of like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then the other part, which is the bigger part of my job, is to get them all networked together and connecting together. So they're supporting and loving and encouraging one another, right? So it's like if you pick, um, I don't know, Christchurch, there's I think five or six, six or seven um, triple CNZ churches in Christchurch, but at the moment, there's not a lot of connection between them. And so part of my role is to get them talking and encouraging. So when someone's like, We've got this issue in our young adults. They don't ring me, they ring someone else in their community and say, hey, you guys had that issue, how do you help? Or we need resources, what are you guys studying? Does that make sense, eh? Cool, so it's a cool job, so I'm loving it so far. All right, I am preaching, so let me now. So that was not part of my preaching time. So if you're on the video, you could have just fast-forwarded that, but you didn't realize, so bad luck. So now I will pray, which means I will officially start my preaching time, so I'm allowed an extra five minutes. It's all good. Now, Graham's doing communion, which will be awesome, so I don't want to steal from his time. Uh, let me pray for us, eh?
Yeah, Morena Atua. Uh, thank you always for your incredible uh, love and care and protection, provision uh, for us. We're always in awe of that. Eh? Um, yeah, Jesus, I love how you, and where are you? John chapter 10, you just make it so clear that we will hear your voice. Uh, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know me. Um, yeah, we really want to be people that uh, understand the love of the Father, that hear the voice of our, our Lord and Savior. Um, yeah, so this morning we're here. Um, we want to hear from you. We really do. Uh, we want to walk out those doors uh, different hey, than when we came in. Uh, we want to be closer to you, more like Jesus um, than when we came in. So speak really loudly to us, uh, God. We, yeah, we, your servants, are listening. Hey? Yeah, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, so we are in this cool series. <laughs> Um, dependence on the Father, navigating through change. And so I'm going to be talking, obviously, a whole bunch about change. And I'm going to be a little bit controversial, but not a lot. We'll see how many horrible texts I get afterwards, but hopefully there'll be minimal texts. Um, and by the way, Graham's message last week was, I mean, every time I say this, everyone's like, yes, we know. Graham's message last week was phenomenal. Seriously, if you didn't hear it, then you're a goose. And so go and listen to the podcast, go and get the video. And so as a preacher, even though I'm humble-ish, it's always really awkward when all these people come up to you after church, when you didn't preach, going, oh my gosh, Graham was amazing, he's such a great preacher, because you're just kind of like, okay, next Sunday I better bring my A-game, right? So honestly, last Sunday I had so many people because we had food, Graham, that was amazing, Graham, Graham, Graham. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Graham. And then people texting me after church, that was such a great sermon by Graham. I'm like, yes, we all know, Graham's amazing. So, nah, serious. I love Graham. He knows that. So it was a, it was a really good um, message, so I'd really encourage you to um, go and listen to it. So where I want to kind of go is a little bit of a quandary that I see in the Bible, which I'm hopefully going to answer when we get to the end. And this is the quandary. Um, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about God's protection and his provision and his care for us. Correct? Heaps. But there's also a lot of verses in the Bible that say you will have trouble, you will have trials, you will have suffering. And so what I want to talk about this morning is how does that work? Because <laughs> if I was God, which would be awesome for all of you, and that would be terrible, I was joking. I thought there'd be a lot of laughter then, but there wasn't. Um, if I was God, I'd be like, no, 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 no. When you become a Christian, all the suffering, pain, and trial is gone. I'll just protect you from that. Someone goes to hit you with a hammer, the hammer will turn to rubber. Someone goes to trip you up, they won't, you know what I mean. It's like, that's how I'd roll, but that's not how God does it, right? Because that would be changing laws of nature, that would be changing the will of people and all that kind of stuff. So the thing I want to kind of wrestle with is, is what does God mean when he says, I love you, I want to protect you, I want to bring you peace, but you're still going to have trouble and stuff. Because last time I checked, when I have trouble and change and stress, it's not peaceful. <laughs> it's really stressful and scary and crazy, so... That's kind of where we're going, right? A, a, a rude way of saying it would be this. Another way of, to ask this question is, what is the point in being in a relationship with God if he isn't going to stop the trouble and hardships from hitting me? Makes sense, right? Rude question, but fair question? Yeah, there's a few honest people. There's a few people looking at me like, who let this clown up there to preach, right? Um, so this verse is a good summary of exactly what I'm trying to say, right? And, and um, Darren read this awesomely just before. I've told you all this. This is Jesus speaking. So that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many <laughs> trials and sorrows. But take heart, take heart because I've overcome the world. So straight away you see this kind of quandary. It's like on one hand Jesus says you'll have peace. But on the other hand he says you will have 
And he doesn't say just trials, it's like many. <laughs> he said, you'll have a lot of struggles. This world is messed up. It's filled with fallen people and sin and disease and <laughs> cancer and bad drivers and drunk, you know? It's like, ah, so the question is, well, how, how, how does that work? How do I have real peace? Like, real peace, not like someone texts you, I'm really struggling, and you text them back, may the peace of God be with you, and they're like, well, thanks a lot, bro. <laughs> Um, what does it mean to have real peace? What's Jesus saying? How do I have real peace in the midst of the trials, the struggles, the hard stuff that's coming? Right? That's, that's kind of where I want to go, right? Makes sense, eh? Is anyone with me? Shot team. Okay, so that's where I want to kind of, kind of look this morning. I was thinking about it like this. Um, heaps of us will have friends that are like, they're all about being cool and saying they'll do amazing stuff, but when it comes to doing the amazing thing, they're like, are you with me? So like parachuting. Everyone knows a friend or two or three who's like, oh, yeah, I'd totally go parachuting one day. I'd love to parachute. And you're like, bro, I just found there's a parachuting place over in Wahoroa. We should totally, oh, oh, no, that day? Sorry, I'm pregnant and I've got eight kids. I can't make it, you know. Or bungee jumping is a classic one. I've talked to so many people over the years who are all about, man, one day I totally want to go bungee jumping. And you're like, bro, we could literally do it. At, oh, yeah, oh, no, is that the time? Oh, man, I've got to go milk the cows or mow the lawn or whatever, right? Um, one of my favorite ones is this, and I'm going to desecrate the communion table. Don't tell any elders, because that'll get me in huge trouble. Um, so where's the camera? Can you see me, camera? So this is dangerous. So I love hot stuff, like really hot stuff. And so my good friend, Kumlan, um, keeps me in a good supply of this amazing uh, chili and garlic like sauce. I don't even know what it is. It's like sauce, but it's thick. Oh, my gosh. And I eat way too much of it, and then... Get a really messed up stomach because it's really hot. So a couple of years ago, Kumlan gave me this, which as you can see is still full because this is really hot. And so whenever Josephine goes away um, with her family for a few days or whatever, I always make a massive pot of chili. And last time I made it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to chuck a bunch of this in. Oh my, I could hardly eat it. It was so hot. So this is super toxic and poisonous. Now, I haven't even opened it for six months. So I have spoons. So I was wondering, if, are any of you those people that are like, I always like hot food. Yeah, when I get Indian, I just tell them to make it so hot, I'm going to burst into flames. Anyone want to come and try it? I was going to try it like now, but I was like, then I probably won't be able to preach for like five minutes, and I'll be like, ah. If you want to try it afterwards, you can come and try it. Anyway, long story to say. Um, so that's kind of the hint. All right, bro. All right. Is it hot? I haven't tried it for a long time and I thought it might have like just died. Alright, bro. Yeah, 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 you can have a chili. Oh, it's dripping on the sacred table. Hot? I'm just trying to keep it away from the communion wine. No, no, you go for the big one. Is there a smaller one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Here, give that one. Oh, you can take. Give that one to Dan. Oh no, here you go. Too late. Oh, good. Here you go. Don't let it drip in the communion wine. The wine. The wine. If you die, I always say good funerals. It's pretty hot, though, eh? Everyone can talk still. 
All right. I was thinking, I haven't even tried it for a good six months, and I was like, it's either like died, and everyone's like, this is not even hot, or they're like, now we're going to be running to the bathroom. Um, so if anyone does pass out, just like wave, we'll just probably carry on. So, All right, anyway, whole story to say, right? Um, there's a difference between saying, I want to go punji dumping, yeah, I'm a hot food person, and then you don't actually do it, right? That's my whole point, but I'll unpack that as we kind of as we kind of cruise through, right? Um, so I just want to look at some of the verses that do talk about what do I actually do in change? Because Jesus, so obviously there's a whole thing around change and stress and worry and, and anxiety and that. It's like, just trust in God. But at the same time, Jesus just has some really good wisdom apart from just trust in God, right? So I'm going to talk more about the trust in God, but, but he has some great wisdom. Surprise, surprise, he's God. Um, and I just love this verse. It's kind of a funny verse, I think. I always find this hilarious. Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. That's a great verse, right? No? Man, you guys are so interactive. I just always find, <laughs> find this really funny. It's like, um, it's like Jesus is saying this. There's the God's got you and, and trust him and all that stuff, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But, but he's like, just logically, there's literally no point in worrying about tomorrow. There's so much chaos and madness going on in your life today. Just focus on today. You'll wake up tomorrow. God's got you. He's going to lead you through it. Don't spend all your time stressing and worrying and freaking out. Now, big, um, I don't know what the word is, big thing I'm going to say um, if you struggle with anxiety, depression, whatever, I'm not saying, oh, so just start doing that and you'll be fine. I'm not saying that. And I'm going to talk more about that at the end, right? But, but worrying about tomorrow is just pointless, right? So I was thinking about this week. What would be the worst thing that could happen to me that I might be worrying about tomorrow? And I was thinking it would be being invaded by Australia. Amen? Because <laughs> instantly we would all have to start learning to say, yeah, g'day, mate. Chuck another prawn on the barbie. Or, oh, fair dinkum. Right? That's pretty good, right? Um, that would be, I don't know if Australia's going to invade tomorrow or not. They may. Um, I, I doubt it. <laughs> maybe China will invade. Maybe Australia will invade. Maybe a miracle invade. Who knows who's invading who now? Um, but there's just no point in worrying about it because I have no idea. So I love, like, if you put the whole trust God, God's got you thing aside, the logic that Jesus says is just really, really good. Just don't worry about it. Just know that God will be there. He's here today. Focus on this. Stress about this. Worry about this stuff today because there's so many things going on. Um, I love that. I love um, those verses that Darren read. I love how funny Jesus is. So Jesus is quite funny, I think. Um, and often when he's challenging the Jewish leaders, but often when he's doing his teaching as well. And he's very visual, right? We all know that. And you've got to remember, most of his teaching is done, some of it's done at the temple, but a lot of it's done outside on a hillside or a mountainside or he's by the sea or something. And a lot of people think when he's teaching, he's actually pointing to things that are around him that people are seeing because he's, he's very visual. We're visual people, right? And I love how funny Jesus', um, Jesus teaching was in those verses Darren read. And, and this is a little bit of here. Um, he's comparing our, our need to trust God. And he's like, birds don't um, plant, harvest or food. Flowers don't work or make clothes. So when you read that, especially us older people, who instantly remembers those old, like, snow white cartoons? Anyone? Remember those? And all the flowers are dancing and the tree catches on fire and he's running around and stuff? That's what I think of. But I was like, this is pretty funny because it's like, you imagine it. Imagine, like, birds planting, gets a little beak out, digs a little hole, puts a seed in, scratches it up, and then he comes along. It's like ridiculous, right? Jesus is just saying, they don't do that. They just trust God, right? <laughs> and then the flowers, I'm like, they don't even have arms. 
how do they operate the sewing machine? I don't know. Do they use their pedals for the sewing machine? <laughs> they have leaves? What's happening? I don't understand, right? But his whole point is that we stress and we worry so much. And he's like, man, if God can sort out, no disrespect, stupid birds <laughs> um, and flowers that it can't even think, man, he can sort you out. He's got you, right? I, I love that, eh? I love that. Um, you're worth so much more to God than birds and flowers. <laughs> um, so much more to God than birds and flowers. Um, I, I just need to pray, because I just kept thinking about it this week, and I thought, in any gathering of people now, there's always people that really struggle with self-worth, always. Um, and I don't want to do that sermon where I'm like, you're worth more than, to God than flowers, and they're like, cheers, bro but I'm really struggling with a whole manner of mental health and struggly things. So let me just pray, and then we'll, we'll carry on. Yeah. yeah, almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Um, yeah, I really call out to you right now. Maybe someone listening on podcasts, someone um, watching this video, maybe someone sitting in here who just really does struggle with that self-worth. Am I really worth anything? What am I even doing on this planet? I'm just a waste of time. I'm taking up space. Oh, man, maybe they're even more scary where it's like, I should just go. I should get out of here. What a waste of time even being here. I'm a, a struggle for people. I'm a frustration. I'm a burden for people. Oh, my gosh, God. We just weep with those people. I don't understand what that feeling's like, God. Uh, but I lift them up before you. Uh, the creator of the universe, the one that literally sustains them, the one who sacrificed Jesus on the cross in their place, God. Um, I know you always have good people around us, and I really call out to you on behalf of those people and pray that there'd be amazing people around them who love them, who care for them, support them, <laughs> remind them that they are not a burden, they're not a, a waste of space, that they are deeply loved by that person, and then even more incredibly, deeply loved by you, our Father God. Um, you created them. <laughs> uh, you love them. You sacrificed Jesus in their place to draw them into a relationship with you. I just really call out to you in the name of Jesus Christ for a, a growing understanding of what that means, that they are deeply and dearly loved by Almighty God. Yeah. yeah I, I pray if they're in a scary place that they would have the boldness, the courage, which I know is almost impossible to reach out to someone um, for help, for prayer, for encouragement. Yeah. Yeah, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um. So uh, one of the elders, I can't remember who it was, sorry, one of the elders in our series that we came out of Christmas in talked about the importance of looking back. Um, they talked about the importance of when you're in a time of change and a season of struggle and a season of hardship, it's really good to look back at all the cool times that God's looked after you, that God's blessed you, that God's cared for you, right? Um, so Joseph and I, with me changing job, my salary went down. What kind of idiot takes a new job where your salary goes down? Really? What is this about? So my wage went down, not a huge amount, but enough to make us go, whoa. And so we have to kind of redo budgets and figure out all that kind of stuff. But one thing we've made a habit of, we've been married for a long time. Next week, it'll be 33 years. That's, we're old, man. So old. Come on, Joe. The claps are all for Joe for hanging out with me for 33 years. That's like next level Jesus stuff. Um, and we've made a habit uh, forever, basically, of our married life of remembering real key moments in our life where God really, really came through for us, where things were just really scary. And God just was like, ta-da! And we're like, what? 
after. How did that, whoa, that's God. You know, whether it's financial or goodness knows what. We literally bought a house in Cambridge while living in America as students earning negative money, right? Because we were having to pay fees, so we were going backwards on money, and the bank loaned us money to buy a house. Who does that? And we come back to New Zealand, we've got this amazing house in Cambridge. I mean, things like that. So we remember these things. Um, I want to read these cool verses from... Um, from Joshua. So if you've got your Bible, jump over to Joshua. I've talked about this a bunch before, but I just love, I love these verses. So um, if you've read much of the Old Testament, you know that in the Old Testament, they are constantly building altars and memorials and things to remind them of the, the, the goodness of God or the power of God. And so you get these really crazy verses in, uh, where are we going? Joshua 4, um, 4 to 9. I'll, I'll read this. Eh? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, so this is when they're about to cross the Jordan Sea. So a bit of context, sorry. So they should have come in 40 years ago, and they were gooses, long story. And so they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. And now finally they're about to head into the Promised Land, and they're going to cross the Jordan River. And God wants to do a miracle in Joshua, very similar to what he did through Moses, so that the people will move their allegiance from Moses to Joshua. You're with me, eh? Because when they came out of Egypt, remember... He parted the Red Sea, and Moses led them through, and they're all like, Moses, Moses. Everyone's getting tattoos of Moses is the man on their arms. And now they're moving into the promised land. It's a new season for the nation of Israel, so God wants to do a miracle equal to what he did then so that the people now are like getting Moses crossed out on their tattooed arms and putting Joshua as the man. <laughs> I don't know. All right, um, verse 4. So Joshua called the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, he told them, this is such a funny line, go into the middle of the Jordan. You're like, wait, what? It's a massive, massive river. It's ginormous, but he's about to part it. So if you didn't get that, but you'd be like, what is happening? In front of the ark of the Lord your God, each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your, on your shoulder. So they're massive, they're massive rocks, right? Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We, and this is the cool bit. We'll use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Which always cracks me up, because you can imagine it, right? The mum or the dad's out strolling along with their kid. Maybe they've got a donkey, maybe not. And the kid's like, what's with the stones? And then it's like, oh, my gosh. Let me tell you about the time we walked through on dry. You know, it's like, oh, it's so cool. What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. And verse 8 is really cool too. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan River, which is just a wild line, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. And Joshua also set up another, I love this, another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And I love this last bit. And they're there to this day. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I don't know you could see them now, but back then it was like you could go and see the stones and be like, look, you can see in the middle. There's a pile of rocks. Oh, it's so cool, eh? So cool. Um, this is kind of a key, um, a key phrase, I think. They built the, they built the stones, <laughs> um, reminders, during the good times so that when the bad times came, they were assured or reminded of God's care and provision for them. Makes sense, right? So I, I want to encourage you, you, you've got to, in the good times, you've got to go, what are the, the memorial stones in your life? What are the times when you've gone, whoa, how did God do that? Man, that was clear blessing from God. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that is amazing. God is awesome. So that when <laughs> the trials and sorrows come, remember Jesus said, there will be many trials and sorrows. When that hard stuff comes, you're not like, 
oh, where's God? How do I know he's got me? You're like, oh, man, I remember that time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and I remember that time. Oh, man, do you remember that time when God... <laughs> so I, I love how Israel does that. This is a good time. They're about to invade the land. All the soldiers are ready to go. Got short swords and shields. They're like, woo! But there's a hard time coming where it's like, well, where's those stones, man? We need to get back to that river and find those stones and remind us that God has got us. God cares about us. Hey? I love that. Um, okay. I'll just jump. We we're going to look at this slide. This is another funny one of um, Jesus. Can you worry? Is that a single moment to your life? It's kind of like, so what's the point of worrying? Don't even do it. Does it actually help? It's like, no, so don't. Anyway, I'll find that funny. All right, some questions. Here's a couple of questions. Um, how do you find peace in God during times of trial and sorrow, like Jesus said? So how do you find that peace? That's what Jesus said. And you will have peace. How do you find that? Now, the question, do you agree? And feel free not to. <laughs> That sometimes just telling someone a verse is not enough. Like I said before, sometimes you're in a real horrible season. Someone texts you a verse and you feel like sticking your phone up their nose. It's like, that doesn't help, texting me this verse. But feel free to disagree with me. Uh, what do you think is the key in what Jesus said to the disciples about finding peace during trouble? So um, if you're new, visiting or whatever, um, everyone's just going to turn around and have a little chat for a few minutes. Kia ora. We need to boogie on. So normally we'd have a, I'd ask for some thoughts and we'd have a bit of a chat, but I'm just conscious of the time, so we'll cruise on, right? Um, if you go to a life group, I'll send these questions out to life group leaders anyway, if some of them will be discussing it during the week. Um, okay, so I want to kind of land this thing with, so how do you actually find peace, right? I've talked a lot about it, find stones, you know, don't worry and all this, but how do I really find peace? And this last bit's maybe a little bit confrontational, a little bit rude. I don't know what, what's a better word than rude. Um, what, what I simply want to say is there's a huge difference between someone saying, yeah, I'm all about bungee jumping, but not actually bungee jumping. There's a big difference between someone saying, I'm all about parachuting and not parachuting. I'm all about Kumlan's death, the hot sauce, <laughs> but I'm not going to try it, right? Um, and so what I want to say is the way you find peace is by really trusting God, <laughs> And I think there's a lot of Christians now, obviously none in this church or on podcast or video, <laughs> there's a lot of Christians now that really don't trust God. They say they do, yeah, I trust God, I trust God, like the bungee person that never bungee jumps. But they really don't trust God, right? You look at their life and you don't see a life lived in relationship with God, humbly before God. You don't see a life that's in the Word, that's making church priority, that's, um, I'm in a life group because I need that Christian community. Man, I make sure I listen to worship music or I'm in nature or whatever, I, I want to trust God. I want to be in that relationship with God. So when all the crazy stuff hits, I'm like, man, I really do have peace. I really do, because God's got me. It's not like, ah, everything's hitting the fan. Where's God? Help me. Someone text me a verse. It's like, no, I've lived a lifestyle of, of intentionality, of journeying with God, right? I, I really do um, trust God, right? <laughs> so a massive question for you is, do I really trust God? <laughs> and on what basis are you saying yes or no? <laughs> I know, like I said, this is a bit of a confrontational bit. Um, so there's a big difference between, and there's hard stuff. I'm not denying that, right? Jesus said that. But there's a really big difference between someone hitting the hard stuff, and I say this really carefully, so please hear me carefully. This is going to sound incredibly horrible. And the entire world just disintegrates. Now, sometimes the hard stuff is so bad, I'm like, yeah, I get that. There's seasons of just horribleness, Right? But there's a difference between someone horrible, 
terrible stuff happens and they just dissolve. And someone who horrible hard stuff happens and they're like, I am a mess right now, but I'm okay because <laughs> I know God's got me. My, my world is falling apart, but God has got me. And, and I would put a massive box of cash on it if I had it, that if you looked at their life, you'd see, oh, yeah, oh, look at their life. But they've been in the Word. <laughs> they've made church a priority. They're in a, some Christian community hanging out. That you'd see that in their life. It's not like, oh, everything's falling apart. Help me, help me, right? Um, just a couple of verses to finish with. I love this verse, and I want you to see the intentionality and the past tense in it, right? So the intentionality in the past tense. Psalm 56, 3 to 4, but when I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. Intentionality, right? I praise God for what he has, past tense promised. I trust in God. I love this last bit. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So good, I love that. What can mere humans, the smelly old humans, do to me? But I love the intentionality, right? When I'm afraid, when I'm freaking out, when change is happening, when I'm stressed, and I'm worried, I will put my trust in God. <laughs> I will put my trust in God. I'm going to get into the Bible. I'm going to get my butt to church. I'm going to get some Christians around me. I'm going to listen to worship. I'm going to, I love that intentionality, but I love the past tense. I praise God for what he has promised. It's like everything's hitting me, but because I've been in the Word and with Christians and church, I know the promises of God. It's not like, ah, everything's falling apart. I better figure out some promises of God to hold on to. You see that, eh? Past tense? Shot, team. All right. Um, and then here's the last one, but this is kind of an extended last verse. So to me, well, to me, I don't know that this is a fair verse to text to someone who's freaking out, right? Who's anxious and stressed and their world's falling apart. Give all your worries and cares to God. Who cares about you? Amen, bro. Praying emoji, which may be a high five emoji. There's a lot of debate about that. <laughs> Hearts emoji, you know, and the person's like, what the heck does that even, how? How the heck do I give my worries to God in the middle of this chaos? So to me, if you're going to text them, text them the context around the verse. What a great idea, Craig. Thank you, no problem. So let me just read this. This is the, the context around it. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. <laughs> give, and now you get it. Now you're like, oh, give all your worries and keys to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you are. Um, I, I love this. I would love to unpack this whole thing, but I don't have time. So just highlighting the, the underlined bits. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. What does it mean to humble myself? To humble myself simply means I don't lift myself up. <laughs> I don't depend on myself. Makes sense, eh? To humble myself is literally to go, I'm amazing. <laughs> but really, I'm not. <laughs> I need to trust in God. I need to be close to him. He is greater than me. Only he has me. What does that look like in my life to live a life of humility and trust and dependence? When I, when I start doing that, when I, when I live a life of humility before God, trusting him, needing him in my life, then I can give all my worries and keys to God because I get it. And he gets me, if you know what I mean. I, I love that, eh? Um, I love how it says give all too. <laughs> I thought it's real interesting. It's not like just give some of them. It's like all of them. <laughs> Are you stressed about the tiniest, tiniest thing? Give it to God. Just pray to God and say, God, you got me in this. Are you stressed about a massive, terrifying thing? Give that to God, everything to God. I love it, eh? And I love this, that, that bit down the bottom there, watch out for how great 
your great enemy, the devil. I was like, man, I wonder how many of our fears and our anxieties and our, our freakouts and our stress, especially in change, comes from the evil one. Satan hates you, right? He absolutely hates you. He will do all he can to destroy you and to disable you. I don't think he can take you away from Jesus, but he will do all he can to disable you as a Christian. Bring temptations into your life, bring idiot people into your life, do all this stuff into your life. Why? To, to pull you away from being humble before God. So you start trusting in your own strength and not trusting in God's strength. I love that. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. He's prowling. He's active, right? I, I love that. And then that last bit, stand firm against them. Be strong in your faith. How do I be strong in my faith? I get my butt to church. <laughs> I get my butt to church. I make sure I'm in some kind of community life group or something. I, I listen to worship music or I get into an old church or I get into nature. I, I, I do stuff that just ignites my soul and connects my soul with God. With God, right? Cool. Okay. I know that last bit was a bit full on, but to me it's just so important. Like at the beginning, Jesus literally says, you'll have peace. <laughs> There's going to be trials and troubles, but in the love of the last bit, I've overcome the world. <laughs> I've already dominated this thing. Don't worry. <laughs> so how do I have peace? I have peace by trusting in God, <laughs> by knowing he's got me, by knowing trials and troubles will come, but by humbling myself, staying close to him, being in the word, getting my butt to church, all these things, not rocket science, eh? Let me, let me pray for us, and then something will happen. Yeah, kia ora. Eeyore, the creator and sustainer of all things. Um, yeah, how amazing that you really do care for us, honestly. It just really blows my brains. Um, some of us in here are awesome, and some of us, we're just idiots. And to think that you, the, the one who literally created everything, the one who is the supreme, almighty being who is um, everywhere at once and all-knowing and all-powerful, really cares about us. It's just like, what? <laughs> what a blessing and a privilege, God. I, I really pray for anyone that's been listening and has felt, ah, Craig, that's a bit harsh this morning. I pray you would speak to them and guide them. What did I say that was good? What did I say that was rubbish? Help them to forget that. Um, yeah, we as a church really believe in the power of the Word of God. We know that. We believe in the power of church, Christian community coming together. Um, yeah, we want to be people that are humble before you, God, um, that are alert to what's going on around us, alert to the devil's attacks and all this, God. So, yeah, keep guiding us and speaking to us. Yeah. yeah help us to develop a greater and greater trust in you. What does it really mean for me personally to trust in you, Almighty God? Yeah, I pray this in the name of Jesus.